Hello, this is Dr. Ina Myers and Casey Longoria. We are two principals in the Dallas area. We hope to encourage and bring you hope through the unique and intricate work of being a school principal. Each week, we will cover a topic about how principals still dot, dot, dot. We hope you enjoy. For our very first episode, we really wanted to learn alongside of you guys with um, the topic of principals still care about their community. So we invited a former principal who we both worked with in Dallas ISD and who is now currently an activist in our community. And I'm just very thankful for the time he's able to give. And we hope you guys will learn alongside with us. about principals still care about their community. So when we say that as principals, what is something that um, comes to mind when we say principals still care about their community? I think that's a great question. So I, to me, what I think about, especially in the time that we're in right now with the, with the pandemic and with everything going on in our world um, politically, I think it just means that as principals, we still care. Um, we still care what happens to our kids after school's over. We still care about um, the policies that are being made that might affect them, like bigger than we can see during the school day. Um, we still care about how some of these changes might affect their parents or their family members, and what um, what that means for the resources that they are able to be to have provided to them. And I also just think it means like what what are they doing after they leave our school? Like what supports are in place to where when they're not in a safe environment, such as our school, how are they being protected? How are they being um, celebrated? How are they being supported? And so that's just something that definitely, I think we both probably lose sleep over at night. Absolutely. I think it's a misconception that principals care about their school and only about their school, right? right? Like everything that happens in the community is reflected in our, even elementary campuses, Mm -hmm. um, but our high schools or middle schools. So as principals, it's easy to think, oh, well, they care about their community that's in their, the name of their school community, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's really much broader than that. It's what's happening on the news. It's what's happening in their neighborhood and their apartment complexes. And so as we think through this with principals still care about their community, community, what happens in our community and as a city or a state or even a nation, um, and then now with the global pandemic, that's even a part of our conversation with our kids, that that comes to um, to such a forefront of a principal's mind. It's no longer just about my 800 kids in my campus. Mm-hmm. It's about what's happening in the communities and the apartments and the homes in our, in our state and in our nation. And um, I think it's important to, like you said, just just recognize and, and know that that is going to be reflected in our schools as well. So as principals, like talk talk a little bit with us about how um, you've already seen that come to play. Like what's already been a part of your campus conversations? Right. So I think a big thing that we've actually seen recently um, just in regards to like how big our outside issues are affecting our school, um, which is our community, is the the concept of um, like Black Lives Matter. And so that is huge. And we have so many diverse kids that go to our campus and diverse teachers. Um, But we also have kids who their parents are police officers and they are for them and they are advocates for them. And so it's just, I've seen such a divide, especially in our older grade levels of 
um, our kids just like on social media even, like posting things about either, you know, supporting their parents who are police or supporting their culture if they are black and just this division that is happening. Um, and we don't necessarily see, I don't see it walking down the halls. I don't see it in class, but I hear about it after um, because it's happening after they leave school, after they leave campus, when they are more free to post things and post their opinions. And so just learning how to navigate that, learning how as a principal, like what's appropriate to talk about and what's not, um, has been really, really hard to do in the season. Um, just because you want to respect everybody's opinions and everybody's feelings, um, it just seems really impossible sometimes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and naming it as two white female principals, um, that's even a finer line, if you will, that we we um, are walking and respectfully so. So just like you mentioned, um, staff who are diverse or even, you know, my personal beliefs and what I would love to be able to advocate for and, and share openly as a principal, sometimes that has to be, feels like it has to be reserved. Um, and I think that's a, a hard place to be, but not impossible, right? So that's oh, right. what Absolutely. we want to talk about today is just how do we as principals still care about our community and in a way that is honoring and respectful of our own personal beliefs mm-hmm. at the same time of the beliefs that could be different than ours but are in our building. Um, and that's so big and such an important conversation, I think, right now. And something that nobody's talking about with principals, right? Like right. nobody's saying, hey, this is how you need to do this or um, you know, have this type of conversation in this way. So we're kind of navigating in a new space, uh, not just because of the pandemic, which is huge, um, not just because of the loss or added um, stressors that are, are being added to our families, but then with the whole political movement. Yep. Um, and so I think that's why we have our guest today. Yes. Uh, we have a former principal friend, Mr. Zach Hall, who will be joining us here in just a minute. And he uh, served as a principal with us in Dallas ISD and is now um, advocating and a very strong activist um, for for. Uh, our political agendas. And so we're going to have him come share some of his perspective here in a moment. But before we we step into that, I think it's important to also recognize that principals still care about their community and have their own opinions, right? Mm -hmm. We have our own beliefs. And so when we walk into a campus, it's the same as our teachers. They have their own beliefs. They have their own practices, their own historical perceptions that they have built and framed who they are in. Um, And that's going to show up. So it's not, we can't ignore it. It's, It's happening. It's there. Um, and it's a byproduct of our actions and our words. And so I think it's important to name that and then to also share with other educators what your beliefs are and what you truly value outside of maybe even school. Yes. Um, so that way that there is a um, there's a reflection on it and name it because we can't ignore it. Right. I think also like it's important to just educate yourself as individuals who happen to be principals or happen to be educators. Um, especially in the season of voting and like know what you're voting for and know what policies and what um, petitions you are saying yes to or that you're voting for that are for your community and that are for public education because I think the more we can educate ourselves educate ourselves on that um, the better we can take care of our community um, just by using our voice in a way that um, is showing up to the polls. So I'm excited to talk to Zach because I know that he's done a lot of work around that um, and he's really for public schools and he's really for public education. And so I know he's going to have a lot of good insight for us um, individual educators out there to know what to look for um, and how to advocate in a, of course, respectful and kind way 
to where um, our communities still feel supported by us. Absolutely. I'm excited. So we'll, at this time, um, let you guys hear a little bit from one of our dear friends and amazing, amazing educators himself. Um, So we'll take it to Mr. Zach Hall. We're back with um, one of our very, very dear friends, an amazing, amazing uh, guy and educator, and we're just so thankful to have you um, with us here today. So thank you so much. Um, Mr. Zach Hall, if you can kind of just tell us a little bit about who you are, and um, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Well, good to see you, ladies. How are y'all doing? Everybody good? Yes. Yeah, so good to see right. y'all. Um, well, y'all know me, but for people that don't, my name is Zach. Um, I live in Oak Cliff, grew up in the Dallas area, um, product of public schools myself. Um, gosh, I mean, where, where, do, I, where do I go? I've, I've worked for many years in schools. I worked in DISD for almost a decade um, as a teacher, as a principal, um, and have just been really engaged in the community. Um, and then for the past three years, I've actually been in China. I've been in Shanghai, China, um, as y'all know, working um, in international education. Um, and we had to come back. My husband and I had to come back because of the pandemic. And so we're back here in Oak Cliff, um, you know, making it work. I'm working really a lot right now on election related items, uh, registering voters, started a group here in Dallas called Dallas Votes. We're trying to help educate, um, particularly underserved parts of our community. Um, and we'll talk more about all that. Um, but you know, just trying to get involved and help make sure that uh, Dallas and then our Texas stay strong. And um, it's good to be home, but under these circumstances, it's been a rough time, as y'all know. You know what's up. So yeah. <laughs> y'all know. <laughs> oh man, it's so good to see you though. And it's so neat. I, I just wanna like honor the work that you're doing currently in Oak Cliff with the voter registration. Um, I follow you and it's it really is remarkable just to see how many people you're getting to get registered that have maybe never voted in their life and just educating them and helping them see the how to do it and making yeah. it as simple as possible. It's just, it really is inspiring. Well, I think the inspiring thing is the folks that are in our schools working during this pandemic, <laughs> make sure that our kids don't get left behind um, you know, the, the, the gaps that are developing right now, particularly for our kids of color, kids coming from socioeconomic backgrounds that have, um, you know, been the most struggling in the pandemic, um, special education kids. I mean, oh my gosh, yes. like this is serious time and y'all are doing the heaven's work right now. So (laughs) me registering some voters and helping is important, but I think the work that y'all's doing, quite frankly, is everything. And this is, you know, the fact that this is happening during the pandemic, um, you know, and the work that you're doing is the heaven's work, but you're not, you're probably not getting the love that you deserve from the community and parents and everybody. So I just want to, from my end, express to y'all, to your teachers, to the kids, to the parents, just a total respect. for what you're doing working in schools during this time. Like totally respect of everything y'all are doing. So bless your hearts. All this love. I just, need, I just need to send that y'all's way. <laughs> we'll that. take it, we'll, we'll take, take it. it. We'll take all the love we can get. It's very few and far between at this point. 
That's awesome. But in fact, that's why we wanted to have you um, kind of talk with uh, our community today of principals is this is very hard work. And we are in an unprecedented time with the global pandemic. I think it's amazing that you've been involved in international education. You've served as a former public school principal here in Dallas ISD um, in, our, in our area. And you, 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 you've been an educator. You, you know what this looks like and feels like. And so um, this, is, this is hard. So not just the pandemic, but we're also talking about the political um, values, Black Lives Matter movements, the, the conversations that are very polar opposites in some incidences. And so just that's, that's, that's in our community, which means it's in our schools. Yep. Yeah. And as principals, that's a very small line that we we get to walk sometimes. Um, and that's why I just so value you being here today, your activism, your um, experience, your 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 value to this work um, is is crucial. So so when we talk about saying like principals still is, is the name of our podcast, and principals still care about their communities. When we say that statement, like what is what does that mean to you, and how does that like resonate with your current work yeah i mean so i don't think y'all as principals would be in that role if you didn't care deeply about your community i mean let's be real like y'all yes. are doing you're running a small city um <laughs> and in some cases it's a large city uh where on a daily basis you may be dealing with everything from educating the kids to feeding the kids to making sure they're getting home to and from home safely to supporting families that have some of the most, you know, terrible challenges imaginable, and then sometimes celebrating their victories, right? Uh, you know, new new families and uh, just so much. And so I think at the end of the day, I mean, principals still care very deeply about their communities. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing the work they're doing. Um, and so I think we all have to take a step back sometimes and remind ourselves of that, that our teachers, our, our principals, our counselors, our uh, the folks that work in the cafeteria. The, oh my gosh, yes. Are, everybody wouldn't be in the school if they didn't care, you know? Listen, I have three cafeteria monitors staying an hour late tomorrow to cover kindergarten specials rotation, and they don't even have to, and they literally work three hours a day. So you are absolutely right about that. Like everyone is just all hands in. They, they do, they care so much. So that was a really good reminder. And they get it. They know, like they're showing up to do this work right now during the pandemic. They right. being your teachers, but also I'm talking about the folks on your teams, yeah. the office staff, the the cafeteria team, the everybody is there because they want. They know the kids are falling behind, and yeah. you don't all come together as a community. The kids that are going to get in trouble, the kids that are going to get left behind the most, are the kids that have the least. Yes. And that's why, you know, what's going on is terrible and it's risky mm -hmm. and it's, 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 it's terrible. But at the end of the day, I think we have a lot to celebrate is look at how our communities during this time are coming together and people, principals, teachers, everybody is saying, we're going to do whatever it takes Yeah, because we have no choice. We literally right. have no choice. Right. Uh, and so I don't think everybody gets it. I don't think the politicians get that. Uh, if they did, they'd be talking more about how we're going to get our special education students back safely. We'd be talking about a number of issues, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the people that are in those buildings, the people like y'all are the people that matter the most, and you get it. And I think sometimes we all have to check. I, I need to remind myself, like, thank the heavens y'all are there doing this work right now. 
um, and not the politicians. So, yes. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's what we're paid to do. So. Awesome. So, so with that, I, I love that positive um, outlook, right? Because it's so easy to look at the negative or the hard parts about our job and our work, but um, reminding and, and focusing on the positive is, is so great. And I think um, another part of principalship is really trying to say, like, I want to advocate or I want to say something. I want to have a stance on something that I'm super passionate about myself, um, but as the role of an educator gets to be a little bit difficult. So, so how could you, like, help um, or what advice or influence would you, would you have and talk to principals about when there's things that are out of their control um, and they still have to deal with them inside of the school, if you will? Well, um, what are some ways that we can, um, as principals, um, be, be involved without being political or without being an advocate for a certain side? Yeah, so it's a good question. It's a tough question yes. because I think y'all know, like everyone is natural and it's okay to have a political opinion. Mm -hmm. Like you should have a political opinion. Like you are, you are educated women yes. that in some cases, men, right? Like folks that have, you're educated, you have opinions, you, you think, you, you think constructively. Um, and it's okay, you should have those opinions, but you're right, in the school setting, it's not necessarily going to be constructive to the well-being of your campus community to express some of those opinions very openly. Nor is it always probably responsible, right? Like, I don't know that you want, as a leader of a school, to be modeling uh, necessarily, you know, uh, a political opinion in front of your teachers, in front of your kids, in front of your students. Um, but I think anybody that's gotten to a principalship, uh, anyone that's a teacher, a teacher leader, um, somebody that's an assistant principal or aspiring school leader, they understand that you have to operate with a sense of responsibility yeah. um, as far as the things that you post, the things that you say, because that's what, like you might not say them in the school building, but the people are watching and they're listening. Oh. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, if Principal Myers prints, uh, posts something that's just crazy, uh, chances are a parent's going to see it and say something to somebody. Yeah. And next thing you know, you might have yourself a situation that you didn't really want. Um, and so I think the first piece there is to operate responsibly, right? Mm -hmm. um, make sure that as you're operating, you're operating with professionalism, class, uh, integrity, but I think the second piece is, is not to be afraid. Right. If you're operating with a sense of values. Yes. If, you know, forget about partisanship, political, forget about political parties, but as educators, I think we can all agree that every kid deserves, every human mm -hmm. deserves to be treated with respect and dignity, yeah. period, right. period. That every human deserves fairness and equity whether that's in education, whether that's in the criminal justice system, I think anyone can agree with that. I saw earlier today, a, 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 you know, we hear people on both sides of the political spectrum talking this way, Democrats and Republicans, you know, everyone, I think these are, these are American values. Right. We should forget that equity, fairness. Um, I mean, y'all name some of them. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of my head, like if we operate with a sense of values, if we operate in our school community that way, if we operate online that way, if we operate uh, on, on the streets, I say the streets, and I'm thinking in terms of like voter registration, right? Like I've been out there literally all the <laughs> trying to register people and educate and get them engaged. But my long story short here is like, if you operate with a values-based approach, 
no one can no one can shoot you down as long as the values you're operating with are dignified. Uh, and I think that as, as leaders, don't be afraid. Um, yeah. I, I give this example. When I was principal at Foster in Dallas, uh, it was my last year there in the spring. And um, it was just a little bit after the presidential election in 2016. And somebody in our predominantly white neighborhood that surrounds the school, even though our campus at Foster was 99% Latino, the school was surrounded by a completely white neighborhood that did not ever, it's been decades since the neighborhood sent their kids to the public school. Long story short is somebody thought that it would be a real smart idea to go put a bunch of signs outside of our campus that said uh, W backs, um, wet backs, go mm. home. Mm. Um, just with I, I, racial slurs, literally. Yeah. Some of the, I, I won't name them all. I, I shouldn't even have said that to begin with. Um, long story short is, is that someone literally attacked our elementary school campus yeah. with those political messages. I mean, we got three-year-olds, you know, like there are three-year-olds at this school. Like when those kids came to school that morning, their parents saw those signs. What kind of message was that sending to them? So as a school leader, I had a, I had a real predicament there. Yeah. I knew I had some conservative leaning teachers and some conservative leaning staff members that while they might not appreciate the message that were on those signs, they probably weren't going to appreciate me saying, hey, hold up, this is a problem, which yeah. is crazy to think of when I sit back, like, I cannot believe that I was afraid to say something about this. But I was, I was afraid to say something. But at the end of the day, it comes back to the values. Yeah. My values are set in stone that I believe that every child, every human being should be treated with dignity and respect. And those signs were disgusting. Yeah. And they were an attack on our school community. And as a principal, it was my job to make sure that I stood up for my kids and my community to say, no, yeah. I will not tolerate this. I will not sit back and be silenced and intimidated. Our community won't be, will sit back and be intimidated. And I think a lot of people appreciated me as a school leader, as the principal, stepping out and saying those things and doing it publicly. You know, yeah. it, ended up making, it was on the news and I was terrified. Um, you know, would somebody else attack our school again like that? And this time maybe do it more severely. But you know what ended up happening is a bunch of local schools, other schools in our neighborhood, some churches, some community associations came together and they filled our fence on that Monday morning before school started with signs that say, we love Foster, we oh, love kids. All families are welcome here. Love it. And it was a tough situation. I still think there were a few people at the school that didn't like what, the fact that I had stepped out there and, and done that. But looking back, I can sleep at night knowing yeah. that I operated with dignity and that I operated with a values-based approach and I didn't get fired for it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do. And if somebody would have fired me for that, it would have made the news and it would have been a problem. So, you know. Yeah. So I have a similar story. Yeah. So back in April and I so get what you mean, like this fear of like, we're just walking the line of like being responsible, but also being an advocate for what you believe in. And so when everything happened with George Floyd, um, I, I have several, um, black teachers on my campus and I, and I had just 
was had hired a, a black assistant principal and I just felt this like um I feel like I needed my own behalf like just my voice like not even just saying like what I promised to do the to the for them as their principal um and I promised to not stand for um, racial injustices and not stand for discrimination and then I promised that I would advocate for them and I sent it out to all my staff just because it was on my heart. I just wanted them to know, I see you, I hear you, and I'm for you. Yeah. Well, my staff were amazing. They were like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, thank you so much. But I also sent it out to all my families. And and we lost a few families this year because of it. Um, and I remember sending it out thinking the first email I got back um, where the the parent just said well um i'm glad we're moving on to seventh grade because um i didn't realize you were going to bring politics into this and i just thought wow this mm. is a human rights issue like this is a heart yeah. issue of just that all people matter but right now like black people matter and their lives matter and so i remember i went back and was like how do i delete the email like can i delete it from all the other people i got sent to because <laughs> you just didn't, you're like, I don't want to, you know, like, you know what, I can be uncomfortable for two seconds because this is how people of color feel their whole life. And so, yeah. uh, but, but the, it overwhelmingly was parents and teachers who were like, man, thank you for using your voice. Thank you for your promises to us. Cause it wasn't like pointing fingers to what they needed to do. It was, this is my promise as your principal, what yeah. I'm going to do. Um, but I felt so like, oh, so insecure in that moment when I got that backlash from parents, like, did I do something wrong? Am I going to get fired? But you're right, Zach. Like when you said at the end of the day, I knew I could sleep knowing that I advocated for, for our community and for our teachers that sometimes don't have a voice. I was, it was the bravest thing I'd ever done. Also yeah. the most vulnerable thing I'd ever done. Yep. The scariest thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's a fine line. It's a fine line to figure out like what your role is as the principal, yeah. um, in terms of advocating for your community when it, when there's some real heavy political agendas and it's so much right now. It's, it's overwhelming. And, you know, I think now more so than in 2016, I think it permeates everything and, everything you say, everything you do, but at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, in 20 years, will I look back at that moment and think that was the right thing to do, or maybe it was the wrong thing to do? And I think you're going to look back at that and think, I did the right thing there. I made sure I spoke out for my community. And as a school leader, you are, you were like the, like I said earlier, you were the mayor of a small town. Yeah. Well, and it was before even our superintendent said anything. Yeah. So eventually our superintendent came out and spoke on, uh, on it, but I was like, I am putting this email out before even our district yeah. puts anything out. That's really scary. Cause what if they don't? Well, and, and that goes back to the situation that we had at Foster where like our school board member came and was supportive and spoke out about what happened, but there was no, re no response from district leadership. Right. Right. And it's almost like they were scared to say something. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't want to make the white people in the neighborhood angry about the racist sign that they put in the yard. Well, the way I look at it is, is that, Putting those sorts of putting those sorts of messages is disgusting. No you matter, know, no matter, yeah. No matter what, absolutely. Like, you should have seen the pictures that they drew on oh. these. Things. Like it was, it was appalling. And as a human, 
like just take a step back for a second and somebody was attacking children like right, right. kids yeah yeah you know, and, and the way i looked at it is you have a problem come pick on me you know right. like, absolutely come talk to me you didn't sign your name to that poster that you put you you know mm -hmm. so still even to this day i'm angry about it but i've i've had to take myself a step back and say you know what like as a principal you, you never know when that's coming your way absolutely. you may get a phone call on monday that says there are racist signs outside of your school right uh and you didn't ask for that to happen and you had nothing to do with it but it's your responsibility as a leader of that school community to make sure that the community knows where your community stands when it comes to the values of equity and fairness and treating others the humans with dignity and the kids needed to see 100 percent kids in the community needed to see you standing up and saying i will not apologize for my values because yeah. they're values it's not politics right absolutely it, that's not politics and i think sometimes we have to step back and say okay it's not like you're going there saying i want you to vote for this person not at all right that's yes. not what you're doing right it's okay to get out there and say and this is controversial but there's nothing wrong with saying black lives matter right like, it's the least it should be they, <laughs> they matter they totally and matter. if you can't get that we need to talk, you know? <laughs> Let's just have yeah. a combo. Why are you in education, yeah. public education? Yeah, and so I, I do think, and this, there's a lot of people out there, and we were teetering on this when I was finishing up my time in the district, where I could see this, we, we have to do a lot of work, even in public education, even in the urban environment, when it comes to culturally responsive teaching, yes. culturally responsive leading, Mm -hmm. How do you lead a school at this moment in history? How do you facilitate conversations about race and equity and injustice uh, amongst teachers, amongst your staff, amongst parents, amongst your community? Particularly if you come in a very diverse, if you have a very diverse campus community. I remember being principal and having conversations with some of my more woke teachers about this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know, I still don't know necessarily, you know, who are the, the folks that should be the experts that we should bring in to, to help our campus evolve on this issue. Um, but I could see that as being a need back in 2016. And I think as school leaders, I'm assuming, you know, those are, that's something that when you start to think about professional development and training teachers and you really should start to think and i'm sure y'all are already having these conversations yeah. in your districts but really be thinking about ways that you can um start to facilitate responsible dialogue in your campus communities because it, otherwise i think it's being malpractice right now i really right and i think that's so important um zach so, so two things come to mind when you say that like it doesn't have to be political it can be about dignity and respect we say that all the time at my campus right like if if you are engaged with a person they should walk away feeling they have had been treated with dignity and respect and so at any time that that's broken in the walls outside of the walls like that is a principal's job to step in and ensure that dignity and respect is taking place so i think that's a way to stop looking at it politically right like it, this is a human being that matters to me and it's going to matter to you too so let's, yes. let's have that dialogue like casey had at her campus like i'm going to say this for myself because it's about dignity and respect Amen. and then the second important thing you talked about is that training and when i what i what i hear and what i think and i and i know our districts um like you said, taking advances towards this too. But the first step is that recognition at self-reflection. If I walk into my campus and I have had, you know, um, you know, my own background, my own personal experiences, 
have me think one way, if that's not challenged, if I have not thought and reflected on that, it could very well be um, racist. It could very well be a, a, an inappropriate comment. It could very well be a micro um, aggression. Yes. It, I have to be aware. And so yes. I think that self-reflection, at least at the baseline. So if your district's not doing anything, if you have not figured out how as a campus, how to lead that yet, it first starts with you thinking. Yes. Yes. And even folks that might be a more, let me, let me rephrase this in districts that might not be as welcoming to yes. some of these uh, efforts. At the end of the day, you're the school leader. Like, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you decide uh, your name is on those report cards. And so uh, I think, you know, reminding yourself as a school leader, you may need to go out and seek out these opportunities. I mean, that's what I was doing in 2016 is finding places that did this sort of work. Well, now in 2020, I think there's going to be a lot of them. A lot. Um, and, you know, I think we also have to remind ourselves that this terrible period we're living through right now, both with the pandemic and politically, yeah. will pass. Yeah. Uh, we will eventually get through this. Yeah. Just like Teachers always say, Mr. Hall, like, you're not my first principal and you're not going to be my last. Like, right, I've, right. <laughs> I've weathered many of you. Like, <laughs> yes, like yes. you've heard this from your teachers before. Well, it's the same thing with presidents and, and prime ministers or whatever, you know, like, we will move through this. But at the end of the day, our dignity as humans, our decency, yeah. this stays with us forever. Right. And... The way you act now, those kids are going to remember that for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you run into that student, that first grader, that third grader in Walmart 10 years from now, and they look at you, do you want them to remember that you were that principal that, you know, didn't really care? Or do you want them to remember that you were the one that stu stood up for, the, for them and for their right. community, for our community? Right. And I, I think at the end of the day, like you just have to always ask yourself, what do I need to do to be able to sleep at night as a human, knowing I made a difference and did better for my kids? If that makes any sense. So it can be tough, but you have to do it. You have to do it. I think that in the, the moral of the story is you have to do it responsibly. And yeah. so I, that really has stuck to me of what you said. Um, is that yes, we have to do it and we have to follow our heart and we have to advocate for our kids, but we have to do it responsibly. Yeah. And, and then I also think like, all right, so then we, we, it, we, we pivot now a little bit in my mind, I pivot mm -hmm. from, all right, there's the element of, you know, culturally responsive teaching and acting with values and making sure that you're, you know, creating this campus culture that's welcoming of all and, and right. you know, starting to build those values amongst our kids but then pivoting also and realizing that you you don't have to hide away from politics altogether just do it in a smart way and what i'm getting at is like you know creating kids that are citizens creating a culture at your school that embraces democratic values democracy voting listening having decent dialogue compromising um, these are not political values. They shouldn't be political values. These are the tenets, the core basic components of our democracy. And I think we also have to remember, you know, public schools were created to facilitate our democracy, yeah. to create a, an educated citizenry that can go out and vote and make decisions. And I think, you know, living in China for three years where there is no right to vote, um, I would ask a lot of my friends in China often, you know, wh why don't you guys 
start having elections, you know, mm -hmm. like the Communist Party, of course, isn't going to do that. <laughs> but like, why not? And their response is always anyone that's in China will tell you our, our, our country can't handle it. It's too mm -hmm. messy. Other people aren't smart enough. These are things that I've literally heard out of people's yeah. mouths. And what I'm getting at here is in America, we take it for granted. Yeah. Not enough of us vote. We don't, uh, we don't stress civics and uh, government education in schools enough anymore. And I think we've got to pivot back to that. I think as, as school leaders, we have to think, even if you're in an elementary school, I remember when I was a little kid, we had student council elections and we had debates. Yep. We had debates, yep. you know, and like during those debates, it didn't look like that debate I saw a couple weeks ago. No, Y'all best believe that uh, Miss Bailey would have been standing up there looking at me like, why did you just interrupt him? Miss <laughs> like, exactly. Bailey. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, I wonder if Donald Trump had in the back of his mind a Miss Bailey who was looking at him like, why are you interrupting that man? <laughs> you know, and what's terrible is a lot of our kids, that's what they saw. That will be their first, their first memory of what American democracy is, was that. Yeah. And at school, we can create a counter narrative. Right? I love yep. that. I love that. We can create a culture that embraces democratic values, one where everyone is heard, everyone has their, their voice is valued, it's listened to, it's respected, that you have an election. You let kids run for stuff. You meet with them and empower them as leaders in their school and in their community. And in high school, there might be a high school principal out there. They all might not realize high school principals, it is a state law in Texas that you're supposed to help your kids register to vote. Wow. It is a state law. Yeah. So a lot of schools aren't following that state law, but like, it's not hard. You know, there are groups out there that, that go to schools, they're nonpartisan, they're not involved in any politics, but they just wanna help young people, high schoolers. I think there's a group called March to the Polls, totally nonpartisan. And all they're doing is trying to register high schoolers to vote to get them engaged. Yeah. We're past the registration deadline now, so there's not a lot that folks can do, but in future elections, yeah. I mean, for sure, you know, be thinking, how can you engage your community? You don't have to go out there and say, vote for X, vote for Y, vote for Z. But you can certainly tell your, your teachers, hey, I got voter registration cards up in the front office. If you need one, get Let it. Hey, it's Tuesday. It's election day. Guess what? We're not having a faculty meeting today. Go vote. Yeah. You know? When the kids are, when they're voting at your campus, take those kindergartners by to see it. Yeah, you know, yeah. show them what it is. Let that. them go check it out. I remember my parents taking me to vote when I was in like second grade. Like my mom went and cast a vote for Bob Dole, you know? Like, <laughs> like I remember going there and, and being with her in the voting booth when she did that. And I just think there's a lot of opportunities that we as school leaders, you know, are missing. And we're so engaged a lot in, in that testing and you know, I got this, this this big meeting with my parents tonight. My boss is coming to observe classrooms tomorrow and I got to get this newsletter out. But sometimes we have to take a step back and remind ourselves that like, there is a greater, 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 greater stuff here. Yeah. And, you know, yes, that other stuff's important, but we've also got to do our part to help develop uh, that citizenry, right? Yeah. Um, people that care deeply about issues and are equipped with the tools to think critically about the solutions to those issues. So a lot. 
It is, but and so important. And Zach, and that's why we wanted to have you today and sharing with us and principles because it's just important. It's so easy to lose sight of that. It's so easy. Like that's exactly my day today. You know, my boss is coming. I've got this. I got <laughs> you know that teachers that didn't show up today. All of these things. Yeah. That but the ultimate work of what we do is what you said. Kids deserve the best education. And we are preparing our future generation. And oh. it's a joy. It's a joy to be a public servant, really to be is. an educator, to be a principal, um, even during these very trying times. Um, but it's important to have reminders and people like you um, just speaking that life back into our work. So thank you so much for your time tonight. I think it's just amazing. And you're amazing. No, y'all are amazing. I'm not doing nothing. It's y'all. <laughs> I think too, like, and even as a school leader, you might not necessarily be able to take the kindergartners there. But when you drop that note to your teachers as a suggestion, you know there's going to be a few teachers that are going to do it. For sure. Absolutely. So don't be afraid to just drop little ideas here or there, you know? Y'all know, you as, as principals, I know y'all, you do that all the time. You're like, go plant this seed. My morning yeah. announcement, actually. Yeah. You know, <laughs> For real. On Friday, when they got done with their trauma training, I said, oh, you want to leave early? You can leave early if you want to go vote. And they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. I was like, I know. <laughs> so go vote. Show me your sticker. <laughs> Take a picture. Take a picture. Good. And then, like, there's nothing wrong with that. You yeah, know? I don't care. Like, I mean, at this point, just use your voice and go vote. Nonpartisan, right? Like, yes. just do it. Yes, and you're not telling people who to vote for. Oh my gosh, no. But yeah, certainly tell them to go vote and tell yes. your kids to go vote and tell yes. your parents to go yes. vote. And, I love it. And support. I mean, and that's, a, I think, another piece here is like what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do right now is, is you know, we have underserved parts of town that for decades haven't had equal yeah. access right. to the polls, right. right? Whether that's because of Jim Crow laws, whether that's because of a lack of access to education. I mean, I have people asking me that are 60, 70 years old and never voted before that live here in Oak Cliff and other parts of Dallas that are like, I just don't know what to do, but I'm ready to go vote. Mm. And I'm supporting them through it. Yeah. And I'm realizing there's such a gap between what we need to be doing and the knowledge of it, right? Like just the basics. What yeah. website do I go to? How do I register? Right. How do I do those sorts of things? And as school leaders, you can really facilitate and support your communities with that. Absolutely. Uh, and whether that may be just empowering your PTA to do it, you, you don't have to necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. Do it. But like, why not send a couple voter registration cards home with each kid? You're not telling them who to vote for, but say, hey, your homework assignment tonight is to make sure your parents are registered to vote. And if they don't want to register to vote, they don't have to register to vote. Right. You're not forcing anybody to. But at the end of the day, it's showing that, you know, we're all in this together and we've all got to have our voices heard. And, you know, I think taking those steps. It takes a little bit of courage, but I think at the end of the day, we've got to remind ourselves, what's the purpose of public education? Uh, to strengthen our democracy. Mm -hmm. And if we can't do these basic things in our schools, where else can you do them? Because I can tell you, they're passing out voter registration cards in a lot of churches and other places. So why can't you do it in a school? You know, you're not telling anybody who to vote for. Right. Um, I so I just think as educators, we need to stop being less terrified we're just afraid of saying the wrong thing but you're right you're you're so right as, as long as you're acting based in your values yeah. and you're staying nonpartisan, right you're okay you know yeah. be yeah. smart don't get yourself in big trouble you don't want that yeah. but act with values and i think you, you can't go wrong i love that. that's awesome thank you zach so much
love y'all. We love it. We want to end um, our session and our time with you, if you don't mind, which is some fun rapid fire questions, just oh, three no. short things. Um, they don't have to be lengthy, just some quick things. I think it's important to also in our work is to also remember that there's people that we work with and that people have their own stories and their own things that they care about and are passionate about. And so um, just real quick, if you can answer um, some questions for us, okay? Of course, I'm afraid of what you're about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, 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 I promise they're public school appropriate, so don't worry. <laughs> um, the first one, just what have you read or listened to lately that really has influenced your thinking? Oh gosh, I'll just tell you the last book that I've read or I've been working on is uh, from Madeline Albright. It's, this is heavy oh. stuff. It's, it's, it's called A Warning on Fascism. <laughs> So we so have a session now, okay? No. Yeah, right. It's, uh, you asked what I was reading. I'm That's what I'm reading. I'm a, I'm a very, I, I was a, a political science major in college, if y'all couldn't tell. So it's, yes. it's a passion. No, so. that's amazing and important work. I love that. Yeah. Second question: Tell us something that you are passionate about right now. Oh my gosh. Um, well, we know what a lot of things we've talked about. Um, I have been most passionate about finding the best Chinese food in Dallas. Oh, okay, so do tell. What yes, you I need to know. All right, do you want like the names of places or do you yes. want, okay. For our yeah. Dallas so, viewers. Because, and, and this is a thing, like, I'm not talking about like American Chinese, right? I'm talking about like Chinese food, like, yes. like the way I expect it to be right. after living there for three years. Right, right. I feel like and you so might <laughs> There's a really good place in Plano. You got to go out the burbs for all the good stuff. Okay. There's a really good place in Plano called Wu Wei Din, and it is so good. But it's like, it's like, you know, dumplings and uh, soup dumplings and uh, pork buns and so like if you ever go, write me a note. I will send you order this, 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 and okay. this. Will do. And you right now they're not open inside, so you'll have to sit in your parking lot in the car and eat. But like. I got y'all. Love I it. Love that it. sounds fabulous. And you just <laughs> influenced me now and my thinking about Chinese food. So thank you. I love it. All right. And our last rapid fire question is, if we weren't in a global pandemic right now, where would you be or what would you be doing? Oh, gosh, that's a really hard question to ask. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I'd probably be on a beach in Thailand. Mm. <laughs> um. On the other hand, I mean, I, I think if we weren't in a pandemic, um, I would definitely be traveling a lot more than I, I'm traveling right now. That's my other great passion in life is just seeing the world, eating food. Yes. Um, I feel like like the good news is, is this has brought us home and I've enjoyed just being in Oak Cliff. I really have. Yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I've really enjoyed being home and being back in Dallas and getting to experience neighborhood in a way that I never was able to when I was working 70 hours a week as a principal in the district. Right, um, right. So it's been nice. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think we're all going to look back at this pandemic in a few years and be like, you know, it wasn't all that terrible. Yeah, like, I love that. We all got to spend time with the people that we live with, our dogs, our cats, like our significant others significantly more. Um, and while I would love to be in a beach in Thailand, like, I'm also grateful for for this it is it is what it is right like we're making it work and um you know i'm just trying to live in the moment I I think that. that's, awesome. that's fabulous thank I, you so much thank y'all it was such a pleasure and i wish y'all the best of luck thank always you. 
we just are passionate about our, our, our own careers, but then also just encouraging other principals because this is a hard time right now. And there's a lot of things that principals still uh, want to talk about or still want um, to, to, to grow and to be better at. And so this is just one small area and you've been a fabulous guest. So thank you so much, Zach. Thank y'all. And if, if anybody needs anything or wants to chat later, just let me know. I'm here. I can support. I'm, I can give ideas. Just let me know. That's awesome. It. What's your Instagram? Zach C. Hall, Z-A-C-K-C-H-A-L-L. Excellent. Awesome. Definitely try to follow. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. Bye. That was episode one of Principles Still. We hope you guys enjoyed and just truly have learned alongside with us. This is a podcast that is for you. It's a podcast that reminds us all that principals still have feelings and emotions and we love our community and we're for people, we're for our kids, and we just really are for other principals who are fighting the good fight with us um, and who want to make change every day and might just need a little um, extra support and encouragement in doing so. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed and truly learned something. I know it's been just great for us to have this opportunity to think through these things as principals and be in this work together. So thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for episode two, Principles Still Grieve.